0: Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. I don't know, nothing. That's the answer that I give Mel every time of year when it comes up to Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know, nothing. I don't know. Nothing. She's like, give me something. Like, I've got all these people asking. We've got to work out what to get you for Christmas. I don't know. Nothing. Well, actually, I could, use, I could, I could do with a, a phone case, right? Wow. Cool. Inspiring. And then Christmas rolls around. I get a whole bunch of stuff that I don't need. And I don't know if this happens to you, but every time I get to Christmas, I get all this stuff, and my I don't know nothing turns into, do you know what would go really good with my new iPhone case, which is like a a new iPhone. And do you know what would be awesome is like one of those MagSafe chargers that like clicks on, and actually my AirPods are getting a bit old, and a new shirt would go well with my new iPhone and iPhone case. I don't know what it is about Christmas, but like it it awakens the kind of consumerist beast within me. I don't know if you find this. I find it interesting that the biggest kind of shopping day of the Australian year is Boxing Day, which is the day after the biggest like gift giving, you've got more stuff than you ever had, you spent more money than you have, and then the biggest shopping day is the day after that. Isn't that really interesting? There's like... Consumerism begets consumerism. Consumerism is an insatiable beast, isn't she? And the liturgies of our kind of Christmas season, liturgies are just repeated patterns with meaning, are consumerism and busyness, marked by our calendar and our bank account, the two sources of stress in December. Consumerism begets Consumerism. I wonder if there's a better way. Is there a better way to do December and the Christmas season? We've been doing this series through Advent. Advent has been around, at least in official capacity, since the fifth century in the church, but longer than that. And it is a season of waiting and expectation for the coming Messiah for the story of Jesus to come alive again in us. And not just looking back at the incarnation, but looking forward to Jesus returning again. We started the first week of Advent with a talk uh, that Josh did around worship fully, that part of the Advent season is a recentering our hearts, not on Santa, but on Jesus. Not on the things we're going to get, or the things we have to do, or the things we... Um, continue to kind of book our calendars up with, but the presence of Jesus. And then last week we had a uh, conversation with Larissa around their little experiment of um, not buying anything for twelve months, and this idea that you know spending less, simplicity, minimalism is the kind of the latest term for it is a very Jesusy I- idea that we don't need as much stuff as we think we do. And I want to talk about this morning, and it seems kind of counterintuitive to last week's spend less talk, is give more. Give more. I want to talk about what it means to give this Christmas. And I was sitting at my computer earlier this week. I was asking myself the question, like, why do we give gifts? What is a gift? You think about it, like, it's a pretty strange thing. Like, I, I just give something to, to some person that I've chosen. Like, and we don't give gifts to some people. We do give gifts to others. A gift is simply... A representation or celebration of a relational connection, right? You only give gifts to people that you're relationally connected to. And so a gift is just like a a token to celebrate, recognize the relationship that I have with a certain person. And what better way to mark that relationship than to give them a piece of crap that they don't need, hey? That's kind of the way of our society. (laughs) If a gift is a recognition or a celebration of a relationship, what is the best way to give? I wonder if there is something from the life and story of Jesus that helps us live in 2022 in December, in the Christmas season. I want to read Matthew chapter 1 with you. I think it's going to be on the screen. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, who will save his people from all sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The gift of salvation was Emmanuel, God with us. Have a look in John chapter 1. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one who I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to to us. The great story of Advent, the story of Christmas, is that Jesus came and made his home among us. Came down to the dirt with us. The way that Jesus chose to bring salvation, that God chose to bring salvation, was not material possessions... Not even necessarily healing or visions or dreams, it was his presence. That the greatest gift Jesus ever gave us was Emmanuel, God with us. That he entered into our world. That he gave us his presence. Salvation, the great gift, was a person. And is it possible that in this season that we're meant to celebrate the story of God, The story of God with us, Emmanuel, that we've missed the point and loaded ourselves up with busyness and stuff. And maybe there are some small things we can do to recenter ourselves, to align ourselves with the Christmas story and give more relationally and intentionally ways that represent the God with us-ness. I've got three nephews, and I always, at Christmas time, prided myself on giving them the, like, most fun, stupid gifts, things that shoot or smell or you can throw or whatever. And I would always pride myself on having, like, the funnest gift on Christmas Day. My sisters, my two sisters, would always give them like relational gifts, like we're going to go to the fair or we're going to go to Aquasplash or something, which is so lame because it doesn't make fart noises or it doesn't shoot. But a couple of years ago, I, tried to, to, I, I, I decided to try this uh, kind of relational gift giving and I took my um, nephews to uh, treetops. And now, my nephews could not tell me, what I bought them five years ago or even last year, but we talk about that moment all the time of going to treetops together. And it just reminded me again that like if a gift is a celebration of a relationship, then the best thing we can do is not like give them a a token of that, some plastic fart machine that I bought, but actually to give our presence and our time. That's kind of the the story of Christmas, is that Jesus chose to give us his presence and his time. Okay, if you think back to like the best, most meaningful gifts that you've ever been given, you look over your life, the things that have meant the most to you, the chances are that it was something that was meaningful or an experience or something that was loaded with the kind of the meaning of the relationship. As opposed to thinking back to last Christmas and naming anything that you got. I can't, I can't think of anything that I was given last Christmas. Mel and I um, went on a date night a couple of months ago. And um, often when we go out on a date night, we like Google questions to ask each other, like date night questions. Um, and one of the questions was, what was your uh, favorite most memorable birthday? And her answer really surprised me. Her, her, her birthday is in April. And she said April 2020, which is like a month into Lockdown, and the reason it was the most memorable for her is because we organised like a drive past birthday party, and so people rode their bikes and and drove cars and had signs and honking horns and throwing stuff um, past our house because you couldn't like meet with people, um, and that was her most memorable birthday in thirty something years of living. I just think that's interesting, and as we come to a season this last couple of weeks of December, as we sort of brace ourselves for the next week and a bit. In a season marked with intense hurry and busyness, maybe the most counter-cu- countercultural thing we can do when everyone is rushing around and trying to get a car park is to intentionally give people our presence over the next couple of weeks. John Ortberg says that love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love and hurry can't coexist. I think about all the times that I've been at my most unloving to my family or whatever. It's often because we're like trying to get somewhere. We're in a hurry. We've got to get to church. I've got to get to church to love people. Get in the car, you know, like. (laughs) Love and hurry are incompatible. Fundamentally incompatible. Have you ever seen that movie Sully? Which is like. Tom Hanks landing the plane on Hudson River. Um, He has this incredible quote in that movie. He says, you can accomplish almost anything if you're not in a hurry. Jesus lived this. What's the first thing in the list of descriptors in 1 Corinthians 13? You know, like the love passage? Love is patient. What an interesting first thing to put on a list around love. Love is patient. Love is unhurried. Love is present. There's that old saying, particularly for kids, that love is spelt T-I-M-E. Love is spelt time. I wonder if we could be people that gave the gift of our presence more than a piece of plastic. There's this idea called object constancy, which is the idea that um, even when I'm in a different room to Mel, for, existent, for example, I can still recognize that we have a relationship, even if, even though she's like not physically in front of me. It's this idea that we can hold this, this relationship with different people, even when they're not in front of us. Uh, infants don't have this, and so for a baby, if you're not in front of them, it's as if you don't exist. And that's why... Peekaboo is like one of the most terrifying games you could play with a, with a baby. Because it's like every time dad disappears behind the hands, it's like an existential crisis of like, where is my dad? And then I think the laughter is more like relief than like joy afterwards. It just suddenly appears again. But that idea of like object constancy is, you know, when you, when you don't see someone for ages, you sort of grow relationally distant. And it's our presence that really matters. Even though we do have object constancy, it's the presence of us in front of other people, eye to eye, doing something together. We need to remind each other that we're really there. And God's answer to the world's problems, the great gift of salvation, was not more stuff. It was himself. A person. The most priceless and personal gift of all. And so how do we embody that idea this Christmas? I just want to give you four quick thoughts and ideas as we kind of swim against the pool of busyness and consumerism in the next couple of weeks. Number one, just really quickly, is you can't give what you don't have. You can't give to someone what you do not have. Our presence with others, I believe, if we're truly to live it out, flows from our understanding of Jesus' presence with us. God with us. John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, you are the branches. If you remain in me, some other translations say abide, if you remain in me and I in you, this like relational connection of a branch connected to a vine, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We can't, pull against the cultural tide. We can't swim upstream just in our own strength. We need to live from a place of slowed down spirituality, abiding in Jesus. When we abide, we bear fruit. It comes down to our relational connection, not just trying harder in the midst of busyness and an empty bank account. Number one, you can't give what you don't have. Number two, just to pray over your Christmas list. Pray over all the things that you have to buy for people. And I just just pray and just see what God says. See what He highlights. Imagine if we did that. God, what are you saying about this list? What does this person on my list really need this Christmas? These gifts that I've been entrusted to give as a celebration of relationship. The third thing is just to start small. We are well in the throes of Christmas. I'm sure you're already somewhat through it. Who's like already done their Christmas shopping? Is, okay, wow. Just them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Lauren. You just, you just right in the coattails, yeah. Who hasn't started? Is there any of those? Sort of, okay, there's quite a few of those sort of people. Who's like halfway through? Yeah, and then some people just not answering, choosing to uh, plead the fifth. <laughs> start, the, start small. Maybe there's just one person in your world that you can swap out a like a physical gift for a relational experience or something that would be meaningful to them. Imagine if the 80 of us in the room, 75 of us in the room, whatever it is, took one thing that we bought less of a physical thing and actually invested into a relationship this Christmas. Imagine what, like, the impact of that. Like you think about just the kind of environmental thing for sure, but like the relational impact of that, of investing very intentionally in one of your relationships, the relationships that are strengthened and the networks that that leads out into. Number one, you can't give what you don't have. Number two, pray over your Christmas list. Number three, start small. And the fourth, fourth one is just to turn your phone off from time to time this Christmas season. We have this thing, rectangle in our pockets and in our hands that pulls us away from people, right? It's like the biggest distraction. When, we're, when I'm hanging out with Milo, oh, he's asleep, so cute. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, the thing that pulls me away is my phone, right? And this season of busyness and trying to spend time with people, but like rushing from one thing to the other, the greatest gift we can give people is our full attention. And maybe the next Christmas event or Christmas day, you want to go a little bit tech-free, We live out of the presence of Jesus, pray over our Christmas list, start small, turn your phone off. To fight the liturgies, the pull of consumerism and busyness, we have to live out new liturgies of a love and presence. Jesus has given us his whole presence. That is the Christmas story, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand with me? And um, if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes and maybe put your hands out in front of you as a sign of openness. You can't give what you don't have. And I know we come in this morning from all different places. We've got to go to the next thing after this, probably, or we've got to go buy stuff, or we're coming off sickness. The whole point of a gathering like this is to recenter ourselves on the presence of God and so right now Holy Spirit I just ask that you would come may you remind us the depths of that Christmas message that you moved into our neighborhood, you moved into our homes, you put on flesh, you got down into the dirt with us So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. That you would fill us again. That you would meet us where we are. Holy Spirit, as we connect back into the vine and maybe where we've been a little bit severed, may you just breathe your life and presence. May the fruit of your spirit come out of that abiding love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. We thank you that you loved us so much to put on skin. And the story of 2,000 years ago is just as true this morning as it was then, that you are with us. So, Holy Spirit, would you come again? In Jesus' name, amen.